Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Markets have saw some pretty much higher numbers for the most part. We did see some mixed numbers on the corn today. Definitely lower numbers on the wheat as we flip sides to the livestock. Some nice green on the screen, except for the Class 3 milk, which saw some negative numbers. We're going to talk today about an upcoming report, as we all know, that has been very much anticipated, and that is the Planning Intentions Report. That's due out next week. Are we seeing a lot more uh, getting ready, some sideways trade per se? And is soybeans kind of the leading runner in these grain complex? Let's find out all, all of that today from Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. So let's start out, Arlen. We have a planting intentions report that is due out next week. Some excitement could be bu- building? Yeah, it really could. You know, this March 31 report, the focus is usually on the quarterly stocks. And we still could have some surprises there, significant surprises, because remember, over the last years, USDA's had see for bullish corn stocks numbers. But the focus this year is really with stocks getting tight overall, with strong demand that we've had over the past uh, year. Will we have enough acres produced to meet that demand? And I think the real focus is on soybeans. That's where demand is the strongest right now and where supplies are the tightest. And as I went through my balance sheets for the coming year, we have to have a of 90.5 million acres with a trend yield in order to meet next year's demand and not have to supplies with higher prices. But most of the private estimates coming out so far have been sub-90 million acres. So that does raise some concerns. While we may need over million acres planted, farmers may not be willing to plant that many. And where those acres come from? If we look at the core of the Midwest, farmers really don't see enough of an advantage one way or the other get out of their regular rotations. So if we're going to gain a lot of acres, it really needs to come from outside of the Midwest area. Well, that happens to be where most of last year's prevent plant acres were, primarily in the Dakotas and other areas of the Plains, and where the bulk of the CRP acres that came out of contracts back on September 30th are in the plains as well. Now, so we can get a lot of soybean acres there without taking away much from corn, but at the same time, we probably can't expect as good a production in many of those areas, and so that's going to have to be well. So next week, probably a volatile day unless USDA finds some way to come out uh, with the numbers that just kind of soothes the market, um, the, the prize are pretty high. So you look at all of that, and we know that there's been a lot of uh, discussion, especially when we've seen export numbers and the continued concerns with African swine fever in China. Does that put some more pressure on, on beans to, to increase those acres if they're trying to look into the future? Well, they need to to catch up with what is perceived perceived demand at this point because even with expansion in South America and the coming growth faster than what we can expand production until we get a year with just a bumper crop on one side of the equator or the other. The big risk to that fever and its resurgence in China is much greater than currently perceived. Now we still do not expect a collapse. We believe hog feeding would drop by 60 to 70 percent from pre-ASF levels. 
but until they get a, a control of this disease, uh, we really can't be assured of that. So that is a risk going forward just to see how bad this disease gets. Ironically, some of the reports are that we may have seven, eight, maybe even nine million sows. That's a pretty good loss, but then again, we also stories are told from one person to the other, but that's pretty significant. What is China saying? That their sow herd, it's been growing through the winter, and it's now at 95% of pre-ASF levels, and they'll be at pre-ASF levels by the middle of this year. Industry shaking its head and just doesn't believe the government's numbers. For the soy oil, how much tighter can those stocks get? Yeah, you know, vegetable oils world are getting tight. We have some decreased palm oil production with a move toward more environmentally friendly, sustainable type of countries, even legislating going away from palm oil. That's putting pressure on the other edible oils markets for producing biofuels and increased demand for biodiesel because countries want to go green with their fuel production. And so we're seeing more around the world and even here in the United States we have two new plants focused on taking soy oil and making biodiesel with it uh, this spring and so a bottom line you look at the numbers the number of plants that are opening up the plants that are in the drawing board going to be opening up we see shortage of uh, soy oil for the foreseeable future for years to come and simply won't be able to produce the biodiesel as long as we have enough soybeans to do so. Now, that could be a sticking point because we still think that this some parts of the Midwest that run out of soybeans don't have enough soybeans to crush and going to have to curtail their processing activity, and that's going to tighten the soil oils. So then considering you're talking those tightening supplies, that kind of leads into, and I don't know if we can finish it during this segment, but is there enough beans out there? seed-wise to be able to meet that demand should it happen? What are you hearing from folks? We're going to be seeing some regional short because of the aggressive export program we had in the first half of the marketing year, and that's going to curtail crush activity and oil stocks even more. All right, we'll stick around, folks. More is coming up as we continue this conversation with Arlen Sudeman. Stick around. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are continuing that conversation with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. And before we left for break, we were talking about the the tight oil stocks. And I know that uh, soybeans have been taking the lead, Arlen. Are we going to see this lead continue for a while? Yeah, I think we will. At least that's what the market's counting on at this point. And I think why soybeans have been taking the lead of late because uh, for those most part, they feel like the chances of USD coming out with a bearish report next week are relatively slim. They can maybe find some stocks if they underestimated the size of this last year's crop or something like that. But overall, the demand is solid. The supplies are tight. And uh, they're expected to stay that way at least until harvest and maybe through the next growing season marketing year as well. So the funds right now are buying the brakes, and those brakes are getting smaller and smaller before they buy them. 
And so we kind of have a converging pattern just beneath the recent highs, multi-year highs on the soybean chart. Like there's some pent-up energy in that market waiting to break higher, just needing some news in order to justify doing so. And let's, let's not forget that we could very easily see USDA cut its Argentine production estimate as well in their April crop report. And so traders are keeping their eyes on that as well. We were talking before we started the Fontenelle final bell about the really the dogginess that's been happening with this wheat complex. What seems to be the pull down factor for them? Yeah, wheat really doesn't have a story right now. First of all, seasonally, this is not a good time on charts. Seasonally, we tend to face some weakness this time of year. Uh, second of all, we've had some really good rains in the winter wheat belt, not just in the plains, but across much of the Midwest soft red winter wheat belt as well. As well. So production estimates are going higher. The same thing's been happening in the Black Sea region as well. We entered the winter with a very dry Black Sea crop. And we got good moisture during the winter and favorable temperatures as well. The crop has really developed. So our contacts in the Black Sea region are saying that their production estimates are being elevated rather than cut as they had anticipated as their crop comes out of dormancy. And here in the, here in the States, this moisture that's been moving across has been good news for this winter wheat crop. It really is. The crop looks good. I had the chance to drive across parts of Kansas this last week as I did a little traveling, and the wheat looks good. Areas of southwest Kansas have missed out on as good a range as what the rest of us have received. Um, But overall, it's been uh, definitely a million-dollar rainfall to boost those prospects. We're still vulnerable to a, a cold snap to do a spring freeze on us. We could still dry out when the heads are trying to make grain later in the growing season but for now things look good head over to the uh, livestock side of the trade um i was talking with another uh, commodity broker earlier today about this green grass and the rains he said definitely will be a, a help to this feeder cattle market with some concerns out there about some dry pastures as we move into the summer months Absolutely, and that's still the prevailing pattern that's expected, is even though we've had this break in the pattern to give us some soaking rains, that'll buy us some time. But the longer-term pattern is expected to go back dry again for the plains and for maybe even parts of the western Midwest, west of the Mississippi River. Feeder cattle demand should be high, though, now with as things green up. That should help. We've got some very good demand. I was looking at some survey results that came out recently here this week showing that consumers, when they had to go home and could not eat in restaurants over the past year pandemic, used that opportunity to increase their meat preparation knowledge. And that increased knowledge led to an 11% increase in demand for meat and poultry. And that could be good for meat demand, not only for years to come, but maybe generations to come. We talked about it during the first half a little bit, but African swine fever, what are you hearing from your folks in China? Well, we're hearing that it continues to get worse. The government does acknowledge it. The government says things are getting better, but that's just not what we're seeing at all. We feel like the sow herd probably decreased by at least 5% in January. And again, in February, we're seeing fewer hogs. Well, just put it this way. Piglet prices are three to four times what they were pre-ASF. So we think the problem is still pretty bad, and they haven't got a handle on it yet. 
All right, Arlen, as we look, what's the key thing you want folks to think about as we wrap up this week? Well, believe it or not, I'm also watching what the Federal Reserve does because that's been having a big impact in recent weeks and on what the commodity markets do. Longer term, I'm expecting inflation, so I think the money will come. But right now, the focus is USDA as we go into next week. All right. The best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? StoneX.com or over on Twitter, where my handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Thanks so much, Arlen Suderman, joining us today. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com, wherever you subscribe, and on Spotify as well. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.